Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast, Fan Friday, Part 2. Gavin Shaw, Alex will back with you, the fans. Alex, what are we getting into today with some of our loyal listeners? Boy, we have some interesting stuff to get into. We talk about whether the Knicks-Bulls rivalry could be rekindled. And more importantly, we talk about whether the Knicks are ahead of the Bulls right now, even after the Bulls' big trade deadline. Uh, Also talk about how they're sort of the yin to each other's yang right now, which is an interesting discussion. We talk about point guards that we want the Knicks to go after in the draft. And we try to predict the Knicks' final record based off uh, how the schedule looks, and how it maybe could be a little easier than we thought. Uh, at least I think so. But listen in and you'll figure out about that next on the final part of this week's Fan Friday. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app, and we haven't set a time for next week. Maybe maybe we'll get back to Friday. Maybe we'll do it again on Thursday, but it's generally at 5.30. Um, generally, we will be recording them on Thursday or Friday. To get in on the action, all you got to do is download that Locker Room app. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports again this is locked on Knicks I'm Gavin Shaw a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times but during this ongoing apocalypse I am just a meager podcast host and I'm joined as always by my co-host the great Alex Wolf editor-in-chief of the Strickland the finest Knicks website on the internet I'm gonna I'm gonna be so bold as to say just just the best Knicks publication out there it's it's, it's as good as it gets and we're gonna be joined by some people who either enjoy or maybe just tolerate our work on those platforms to ask some interesting questions. Right now, it's Fan Friday. All right, now we got Fraser Coleman wants to come up. So I'm going to bring up Fraser here. Hey, guys. Fraser, what's up, man? How you doing? Wait, well, my, my question is, is there any better sort of Knicks fan account than Knicks Fan 6 uh, else, uh, you know, burner uh, accounts? <laughs> I mean, it, oh, wow. it, you get like the psychological insight into the guy that is just unparalleled. <laughs> I mean, it, it really t- says a lot about how bad players feel, about their performance, how people view them. It is it, it is such a psychological case study to the guy. It is so awesome. And if it's not, well, you know, Elf's burner account, he should be signed up for Pod Strickland. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, do you, do you think it's actually Alfred Payton? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really, I think, I don't think it I is. Think if it was actually Alfred Payton. I I don't think it is. I think if it was he, actually he's, Alfred he Payton slips up point. all the time. Yeah, but it feels intentional to me. Like, yeah, I feel like it's someone doing a bit. It, at this point, I think that if it was real, then 
Alfred Payton himself would have deleted it because now it's at like, isn't it like 10,000 followers now or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's 9,414. 9, yeah. I, think I he feel must like. must enjoy the engagement in some, at some level. I guess, yeah. If that is actually Alfred, then that's <laughs> interesting. To I, say. I love <laughs> the, the pin tweet is so good. I am not Alfred Payton. You guys got to chill. This could make him look bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, so awesome. Well, the other day he goes, I'm, I'm up at three and I'm going to go to the gym and work on my shot. It's like, what? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> this, this has to be his burner account. Anyway, hey, but what's really cool about the Bulls and the Knicks they're both on the same timeline. And so, like, in two, three years from now, you're going to see both these teams cresting. And it's going to bring back that sort of uh, New York-Chicago rivalry that we haven't seen in years. Unless yeah. Levine signs with New York. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that playing out. I mean, I know they're I, – I always, I always find it so interesting to, like – I mean, obviously everyone talks about the best teams in the NBA, but just to, like, in my mind, like, constantly, like, rank and re-rank all the young cores. And, and, and the Knicks – the Knicks versus the Bulls is a pretty interesting argument because I, I thought I thought Patrick Williams was a home run pick for them. I, I don't I don't know if any of you saw like their game against the Suns yesterday. Probably not because we were in the middle of like the hellish Knicks T Wolves uh, matchup that we don't have to talk about. But uh, Patrick Williams like like Devin Booker like gave him forty, but he had some really good plays in that one. Like he he was he was guarding Book or or he had switched off of Book and then Book's like oh I'm going to throw a lob to DeAndre Ayton like toss it up like hook pass over his head. And, and, like, Williams jumps up and, in like, midair, like, blocks and catches the ball basically in one motion. And if I were if I were to, like, build a non-superstar, like, archetype of a player to put next to Zach Levine, it, it would pretty much be Patrick Williams. Like, you just want the, like, hyper-athletic wing defender who looks like he's going to be a shot creator in a couple of years. So I, I think I think those two, if, if Levine decides to stay in Chicago long-term, could do damage. Um, him and Vucevic together offensively is a match made in heaven, how they're going to be able to space for each other, how they can both work inside and outside. Neither one's a great passer, but both are solid. And, and at this point for Levine, fairly willing passers. Defensively, I think they're going to run into some issues in the playoffs. Um, I, I think, um, weirdly enough, like maybe, maybe they keep Lowry Markin and he, he turns out to be, like I, I've long been a fan of his, but it seems like he's on the outs there. I, I think they're missing a little bit of frontline talent. I would I would almost argue weirdly enough, even even though um after getting Vucevic nominally, like they're they have more star power than the Knicks do. I, I think the Knicks are actually like with the extra picks and, and just having more young guys that are better, like if you want to say like Randall and Levine sort of cancel out. Um I actually think the Knicks are in, in a slightly better position going forward than Chicago. But I, I know your question, Frazier, was it was about a rivalry between the two teams. I, I, I think that could be the case, but I think it's going to be in like maybe three years. I, I think Chicago still, I, I think they have a lot of work to do to fulfill their end of the bargain there. But I, I don't know, Alex, do you, do you see that coming to fruition? Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing about Chicago having a lot of work to do. I mean, I know that I, I know that everything's not, you know, figured out when uh, new acquisitions are made to a team. So obviously, you know, like Vucevic is a, is a star player, you know, you're going to need to work on integrating him uh, with Levine and, and all those guys and Patrick Williams, you know, and figuring out what works between those guys. But there's three games since they got Vucevic, they've given up 120 points, 116 points, 121 points and lost all three games. And I, I, I think that's going to be the issue with them is can they, 
like, is this team going to be good enough offensively to make up for how bad they're going to be defensively? It's almost like they're the, the anti-Knicks in a way. So maybe in a way that's sort of where the rivalry would come into play. If both can find some success, they'll be almost like the yin to each other's yang. I was going to say uh, Superman and Bizarro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it, you know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Godzilla and Mechagodzilla to be to be relevant, I guess. But, um, you know, it's it's like the Knicks are so good defensively, like one of the top defensive teams in the league. And yet a lot of Knights can't put 100 on the board. With the Bulls, it's going to be like, uh, you know, at their best, I could see them being a team that can easily put up 120. But can they stop themselves from giving up 130 is going to be the the operative question there, I think, going forward for them. Because, you know, Williams is so good defensively, but one man can only do so much. Um, you know, I, I think that they're going to really need, like, full team buy-in on defense with this. And when you already still have Larry Markinen on the roster, um, you have, like, Denzel Valentine gets minutes on that team. Uh, trying to think. I mean, Levine, obviously, who who just is very not good on defense, and Vucevic, who's not a a rim protector, and especially if you're pairing him with Larry Markinen, like if that's a combo that they hope to see out there long term, things could get troublesome pretty quickly, I think, for them. So, yeah i i I would love to see to answer the question. Like, I would love to see a new renewed rivalry between the Knicks and the Bulls. I would argue at this point, especially given the avenues that they have to get better in the near future, uh, I think the Knicks are in a much better position to potentially outpace the Bulls here in the in the coming years. So right now they're maybe on semi-equal footing, although even that could be argued because like the the Bulls are currently sitting at 19 and 27 for the year and they're on a five-game losing streak. Like that doesn't portend super well for how things are going to go for the rest of the year. They they're still, you know, there's a chance that the Raptors could still overtake them for that ten spot uh, in the lottery, which I, I don't think is super likely, but it's something that could happen. Whereas I don't necessarily see the Knicks falling out of the playoffs at this point unless they lose like twenty straight games or something. Um, so I, I think that the Knicks are a little ahead. The Bulls have to figure some stuff out. If they can make things work with Vucevic and and Zach Levine, then yeah, I think there could be a rivalry to be had there. Uh, but more likely than not, because of their lack of draft picks and stuff now, because of the Vucevic trade, I, I think there's a chance that they're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball here as far as trying to catch up and, and be even as crazy as it is to say as good as the Knicks are now at this moment. Um, and the Knicks have more avenues to get better in the near future with two, you know, first round picks this year, a very high second round pick, tons and tons of cap space going forward. Uh, I, I just think that there's a very good chance that the Knicks are going to be the Knicks are going to be the team looking down at the Bulls. So maybe they'll have some fun first round series for a while um, with the Knicks hopefully graduating up to like three seed status sometime in the next few years. But. Uh, I guess we'll see when that happens, but it's, it is fun to think about. And I would love if there was a, a renewed rivalry between the two. Uh, that was a good question though. Fraser, do you have anything else that you were, that you were thinking of? Uh, Cause we, we don't have any speaker requests, by the way, anybody who's down there that wants to come up, if you have anything to say, feel free to put in a speaker request or uh, whatever you're feeling. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I was going to have some comments around, uh, 
Elf being the sort of U.S. Ricky Rubio, or you know, is Rubio the uh, European Elf? You know, but uh, they they seem like they're the same player. I think Rubio <laughs> has higher basketball IQ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd say that, that's an insult. But Ricky Rubio was was good for this. He was like the third best player on a Suns team that wasn't bad last year. I would, I, I think, I think that's a, Ricky. I, I, I want last Ricky night Rubio. though, man, <laughs> he was Ricky awful. Ricky Rubio is like nine, 19. I don't know if people remember this. He he was going up against Jason Kidd and Chris Paul, like when Spain was going toe to toe with Team USA. I don't know. I think I think that's Ricky Rubio besmirchment to some idea, to some degree. <laughs> Ricky Rubio slander. Yeah. Ricky Rubio, yeah. <laughs> yeah stop. We will no, not tolerate Ricky Rubio. <laughs> Ricky Rubio is like the NBA player I think in my life I've most wanted to like figure it out and be a star who just never never got there. But I I yeah. I, I, I hesitate to put him in in, in Elfland. Donnie Walsh wanted Ricky so bad. Yeah, Joseph says in the in the comments too. Rubio passes though. Yeah, that, that's the truth too. Rubio does look to pass a lot more than Elf does, even if they're they're overall like scoring packages are similar. I think Rubio is a better defender and a better passer. So like if, if I could swap them today, I would do it in a heartbeat because I think Rubio would, would actually look to get people involved rather than Elf's hijacking of the offense and everything, which is just horrendous to watch all the time. Um, all right, Fraser, we'll, we'll, we'll send you off. Uh, did you have, do you want to promote your social media? I know your social media, but I'll, I'll let you no, say I'm, Good. All right. Cool, man. All right. Thank right. you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for popping up. So we'll do that. All right. Um, Gavin, we could get into uh, If anybody else wants to come up to speak, definitely uh, speak now or forever hold your peace, so to speak. Um, we'll take a question that, that came up. Oh, we got another request. All right. We're going to take this question real quick. Then we'll get to you, James. Uh, James Charles wants to come up. Uh, we got a question gavin from grant howard uh earlier in the show in the chat projected nick's end of season record what what do you think just spitballing it what do you think their end of season record is um what's it's 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 72 games 72 games currently 24 and 24 i'm gonna say i all right here let me i'm just i'm gonna i'm not i'm not gonna spitball i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the look at the final schedule um, all right, so let's just say they just because RJ's out, I'm going to say they lose to Dallas, 24 and 25. They beat Detroit, 25 and 25. Um, I think they get one between Brooklyn and Boston, so I'll say 26 and 26. I, I think I know. I think I'm, I'm I'm going through this in my mind, and I know I know where I'm heading on it. I think they finish somewhere along the lines of 34 and 38, just because I, I'm, I'm looking at the teams they play down the stretch, and a lot of them are are really good. And and to that to that point, if the Knicks kind of get back close to a hundred percent, I mean, obviously Sands Mitchell Robinson, I think they can handle that kind of schedule. But I I have a feeling they're going to lose more than they win, which is why games like yesterday against Minnesota were so crucial for them to win, despite the fact that they lost. But that also puts in perspective how big those wins were back to back against the Wizards and Milwaukee. Uh, two games that they should have won, but very nearly lost. But Alex, I don't know. Are you are you on board with thirty four and thirty eight? Uh, no, I'm actually going to say I think they will be one game over five hundred. Oh That's wow! Maybe, okay, maybe bold of me, but I'm looking the stretch to me that really stands out. Now they have like people were saying, oh, their back half of the schedule is going to be really hard. But based off how some of these teams are playing, I don't think it's going to be that hard anymore. Like they have, so they have the Mavericks twice in the next 
two weeks and change, which those I'm feeling a split. I don't know which game they're going to take, but I feel like it's going to be a split. I don't think they'll get to sweep like last year. But then at Detroit on uh, Saturday this week. Oh, back to back this week. Lovely. I didn't even realize that was the case. Uh, At the Nets, probably a loss on Monday. At the Celtics, that's a toss up. Like to me, that's that's not a, a super losable game. I, I think that with the way the Celtics are playing, the Knicks could definitely beat them in that one. Um, at home versus the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have just been okay lately, as far as I know. Although I, I'll fully admit I haven't been paying that close attention to them lately. But then, like the Raptors, no good lately. Uh, the Lakers. If they're facing them without LeBron and AD still by April 12th, which is only 11 days away, I think it's entirely possible both of them are still out. That's a very winnable game. At the Pelicans, the Pelicans just are not that fantastic. At Dallas, and then at home versus New Orleans. And then this stretch is probably the Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto. I think they could reasonably win all three of those games. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say one game over 500. I think they will at some point too. This is another bold prediction. Rip off the elusive four-game win streak that they have not been able to string together this year. That's that's just my guess. Well, Joseph just asked another question here. If we extend Randall, can we afford two of Kawhi, Harden, Curry, Jimmy, Beal, and and or Zach in there in 2022? Um. Can I just throw out quickly? We we gotta we gotta throw Joseph some of some of the money we're making off of this. He's he's like single handedly driven now. Three three of our fan Fridays. So sh- shout shout out to you, Joseph. Sorry. I know Joseph Raimondi, man, the 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 workhorse of the locker room app. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't think that the Knicks would be able to afford two of those guys if they're also re-upping Randall. Uh, the Keyword there, I guess, is extending Randall. I, I guess it would depend on what the extension is. But if it's a max, I, depending on how the cap spikes and everything, I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. I think the best they're going to be able to do is afford one max in 2022, um, it, which I guess is sort of good in a way because that's that's assuming that you're going to extend Mitchell Robinson, who will probably be making about $16 million. Um you're giving Julius Randle a max. Actually, no, let me, while I'm thinking about it, let me just pull up the cap sheet. Yeah, I was just going to say quickly, Alex, I, I think it all depends on what kind of team they want to build. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing we just saw with the Nets, right? You can have, mm. you can either have two stars, so you could have, you could have Randle and one of those guys. Um, or if you want to have three stars, then you got to trade away all the fun young pieces, your, your IQs, your, your RJs, your Mitches. Maybe, maybe you keep one of them as like a, on like a Joe Harris style contract. That means RJ is probably like, let's just say you sign one star and trade for another. RJ is maybe going on that trade. Maybe IQ is going on that trade. Maybe Mitch is going out on the trade. Uh, maybe whoever you take in 2021 is going out in that trade. But odds are you only get to keep one, maybe two of those guys, like depending on how much money they're going to make. But if, if you're adding two stars, you're, you're definitely not also having RJ Barrett as part of the team. Unless, unless all of a sudden James Dolan, um, goes goes full Mikhail Prokhorov or not even Mikhail Prokhorov. Um, I was gonna say, um, oh my God, uh, Steve Ballmer, um, and just says, you know what? I don't really, I don't really care about the luxury tax. But, 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 I think that my my inclination is is it's either it's either two and you got a complete team around them, or three and it's it's kind of a star heavy group. I think if I don't know, I think that if you could tell James Dolan that he could win a championship, he would pay a billion dollars in luxury tax just to get the monkey off his back. 
and the media and everything else. Because all it's going to take is one championship for any Dolan is holding the Knicks back from ever being successful hate to just poof into thin air forever because the, the Knicks have gone so long without a championship. Um, so I, I did look at the cap sheet, right? Um, so Julius Randle is going to be a free agent that year. He will probably have a max Apple, but let's just assume he's going to get a max contract anyway, which I think, I, I don't think he'd be eligible for any of the super max contracts. So it would probably start around $34 million is my guess, depending on how much the cap has jumped uh, between now and then. So you've got that on the books. You have RJ Barrett final year of his rookie deal for about 11 million. So now you're up to about 45. Obi Toppin, should he stick around, would be on the books for about five and a half million. Uh, so that now brings you up to uh, about 50 and a half million. Uh, and then Emmanuel quickly for about 2.3 million. So that brings you to. 52.8 million. So we'll just say like 53 in theory, like right now the cap is about 110 million. If you have not extended Mitchell Robinson, if you have not extended Frank Nilakina, uh, or if you're, if you're fine with just kind of basically trading them for, for peanuts at that point, um, then yeah, I guess in theory you could have about enough for, two max deals uh, with how much the Knicks have on the books uh, currently for that time. That said, I I don't really buy it that neither of those guys will be on the roster at that point. Uh, So you could probably plan for at least let's just, well, plus the the draft picks as well. That's the other thing. So two first rounders this year and a second rounder. So you figure that's probably another, another 10 million roughly. And that's already, I think that's where that gets you out of the discussion of, being able to add two superstars just in free agency costing only money. Um, you'd have to get into the business of uh, uh, of trading for one star and signing another. So I, I think that's the, the overall napkin math on that. Um, of course, if Jeremy Cohen had shown up for this locker room, we could call him up, but he's not in here today, but uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty, pretty similar. Um, Joseph asked uh, as sort of a tag on to that, Gavin. So which one would you guys pick to add to our core given the choice? It's funny. I think I I know I just discussed this on the one Strickland pod the other day. And I think we discussed this on our show recently as well, but we can get into it again. So if we're out, if you're offered the choice of Kawhi, Harden, Curry, Butler, Beal, or Levine, who's the one that you're adding? I mean, for me, it's Curry. I've definitely made this case a few times and I, I think Curry would be, absolutely perfect on the Knicks. Like as they're constructed basically right now, add Curry in there and that's potentially a championship team. But what do you think, Gavin? Yeah. Um, I don't know the way James Harden is playing right now. I would, I, you, you got to think about it, right? Because he, I, I, I've gone back and forth so many times on, on who's better between him and Steph. And, and you can, you can obviously you can throw Lillard into that conversation, but you're seeing what Harden, and, and this is, this is a question a lot of people would, throw at you because obviously Steph always got the better of him in those playoff series, but you said, all right, if, if you flip their supporting cast, um, who, who, who would be winning? And we're, we're kind of getting a taste of that with Harden in Brooklyn. He hasn't even gotten a real run with KD yet. And, and you're seeing that the guy with, with shooting and talent around him is just 
utterly unstoppable. And then you flip it. Steph is is sort of in the Harden role in Houston right now. And you can you can make the case like, all right, does OKC even have like Houston talent? And like kind of like compared to what Houston had four or five years ago. And maybe maybe it's unfair to compare Harden at 28 to Curry at 34. But Curry isn't driving winning in exactly the same way Harden is. But I, I just love Curry so much as a player. Um, and like, he's, he's just one of my favorite athletes ever. So I think, I think just because of that reason, I would lean Curry. But if my, if my number one goal was to win an NBA title and I'm, I'm asked like 33 year old James Harden or 34 year old Steph Curry, I think I'd slightly lean Harden. Like both of their games are going to age really well because they're both all time shooters. Um, and, and just, just have incredible skill sets. And like Harden, you're worried, like maybe that incredible deacceleration he has tails off a little bit. Steph, the only thing I can really think of is that he's, he's like going to get like a little slower and maybe a little bit more injury prone. Um, but I, I think just because of Harden's size, like his wingspan isn't going away, his strength isn't going away. I think I'd slightly lean Harden if my number one goal is winning a title. There would be a case for Kawhi. He's just a little bit too brittle. Um, Dame, there's always an argument for, but I, I almost think he's like the least likely to leave. It just seems like he's, he's ride or die in Portland for for his entire career. And, and until recently, I would have put Steph in there. But you're starting to hear like little tiny things trickle out. Like LeBron was apparently recruiting him over All-Star Weekend. That seems increasingly feasible. But yeah, long-winded answer. But I, I think I would, I'd lean Curry for the fun factor Harden if my if my only goal is is to win a title, which I know I know is the inverse of of everything we know about them throughout their career so far. Yeah, I vote that Steph Curry to the Lakers never be allowed to happen in the history. Of the league. Um, I, I, I don't think he'd do it because that would like I, I it's hard to imagine a scenario where the fans in Golden State don't love him forever, but him going to play for the Lakers with LeBron that would. That would be pushing it about as much as you can for a guy who's won three titles and is far and away the best player in a franchise's history. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, for what it's worth, Fraser doesn't think Curry's leaving. He says he's in the Bay Area. Curry lived in his town for a few years and then moved to the next town over. And his wife has a restaurant in San Francisco, so he's, he's not going to leave. I don't know for sure that that would hold him back. I mean, because ultimately the thing with the thing with basketball is like you do get you get a decent you know, summer vacation, essentially, to spend time with your family, be at home, whatever. And, you know, so his his wife and kids could either live in whatever city he goes to just during the season and then go back home or could just stay in the Bay Area while he, you know, uh, plays somewhere else and just has like an apartment, basically. But I, I guess we'll see as far as that's concerned. Uh, Gavin, I, I think we're getting close to ending here, but, uh, David asked another question in the comments as well. Uh, he said, which point guard in the range of 16 to 25, do you think the Knicks need to have their eyes on, uh, in the draft he said, I'm unsure if you guys are watching the final four, but the, the guys from Baylor look good. I, I would be lying if I said I watched a ton of Baylor, but I do want to watch them in the final four. That's of course, uh, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell. Uh, I have not paid a, a ton of attention you know to the tournament this year i think it's just I, I didn't have a work bracket pool or anything to be in which uh always uh, piques my interest in the tournament um but yeah i i would be lying if i said i knew enough about them to say for sure the guy that i keep going back to that i have watched a little bit of at this point is sharif cooper out of auburn and that's a guy that we've had multiple people tell us like that's a guy i would go after um, and he seems to be falling a little bit in, in terms of draft stock, but 
you know, a guy who looks to pass first, who's, you know, really good at driving and kicking. And uh, even though he's undersized is a, is a really dogged defender. Basically the, the main thing holding him back is his size and his shooting. Like the three point shooting isn't fantastic, but if you think about it, he would sort of be like a version of Alfred Payton that looks to actually get others involved more and actually like really, really tries on defense. So I could certainly get behind that. I, I don't, hate the archetype that Alfred Payton occupies. I just don't like the way that he plays. Uh, but Gavin, do you have anyone else that stood out? I think you've watched more tournament than I have. Do you have anyone? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say Davion Mitchell, man. He's, he's one of my like three or four favorite players in the entire draft. Like he, he transferred um, to Baylor from Auburn two years ago. It was a really nice player a season ago, probably would have been like, I think would have been a second round pick if he had come out, um, but maybe even that was a little borderline, but just made a massive, massive jump this year. Um, he, he, his two point shooting percentage went from 47% up to 58%. His three point shooting went from 32% to 47% assist to turnover ratio improved. And we're talking about a guy who was, was probably the best defensive player in the big 12 a year ago. And that hasn't changed. Like not, not a, not a tall dude. I think he's, he's listed at something like six, two, six, three, um, but despite it, just like sturdy, strong, quick hands, quick feet, um, high motor, smart defender, unselfish on top of everything else. Like he's, he's everything you'd want in a guard. And I think for the Knicks in particular, I mean, I, I know if, if you're looking at him and quickly as a, as sort of a backcourt of the future, you might have some issues just, just from a size perspective, but he's so good defensively and so strong. Um, that I think I think you could put him on some twos who aren't super duper oversized and be just fine, and and, and then just adding another multifaceted piece like we we've talked about it a bunch of times uh, with RJ with Julius Randle. You don't necessarily need that ball dominant point guard, right? You you just kind of need someone who who can pass, who can shoot, and, and do a lot of different things that is comfortable handling the ball, obviously, but doesn't need to dominate it. And I think that's Mitchell to a T. If I were if I were building a role player in a lab, that would be a really good fit for the current Knicks. Uh, Mitchell would be very high on that list. And I'll, I'll throw another name out there. Not someone I can say that I've watched a ton, but just reading a lot about really, really intrigues me. Um, and that is Josh Giddy. Um, he, he's like a 19 year old point guard out of Australia. Uh, not LaMelo Ball, but but similar in some ways. He's six foot eight, really, really tall. And just for someone that big, like incredibly high level passer, I think averaging somewhere around eight assists this year, which for a guy that young in a professional league, that that's a number that just pops out of the page. And and similar to LaMelo, someone who was considered to have like kind of an iffy three-point shot, maybe not be as strong as you want, but but seems to be improving in both capacities. I, I, I just like the idea, Alex, always, of taking a chance on big playmakers, and especially ones that are young. Like when you, when you show off that passing gene at an early age, to me that, that's encouraging as far as someone who just who understands the nuances and complexities of professional basketball in, in a really precocious, um, ahead-of-their-time way, and, and someone who, who seems like they would be on a really good developmental trajectory. So not 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 someone I, I know a lot about, but just just not a guy outside of obviously like all oh, the draft Knicks, I'm sure know a ton about him, but someone in, in Knicks circles you you maybe haven't heard a ton about. So th- those are the two guys that I'm thinking of. You know, I'll throw two more names out there. Um, one of which isn't a point guard, but just a guy that I think is definitely worth looking at given the uh, coaching personnel that the Knicks have. I would maybe give a look to BJ Boston. I know that he's free fallen uh, in draft rankings because he 
you know, quite frankly, just had a bad season at Kentucky, but he was potentially, you know, a, a potential top two, three pick prior to the season. And, you know, some people were even saying like, oh man, he might challenge Cade for number one pick. Now he's falling to the second round in a lot of mocks because he just, he had a horrible shooting season, really could not find the range from three or any of that. But I think give him Kenny Payne, who is probably part of the, the team of guys that recruited him, give him Johnny Bryant. And that's a guy I'd be willing to take a chance on with maybe like the lower of the Knicks and Dallas's pick uh, for sure. And, and just bet on the pedigree there and the physical gifts and everything else and try to sort of fix him. The other guy is Daisha Nix, uh, who also is sort of being mocked pretty low that I've seen like late first, early second round. I've seen on, on a good number of mocks and, He's a guy, I mean, I watched him in the G League, and I was really impressed by him. Uh, you know, I think he's another one of those guys that it seems like the shot needs to come around a little bit. But, I mean, he's just built like a brick-ish house and is, like, really fast and just, I don't know, he sort of reminds me of, like, a more muscled-up, like, Raymond Felton, sort of, um, just from a little bit of watching him. And he's, like, 6'5", has really good size for a point guard, I think, and... He's a, he's a guy I would definitely look at. I think that he might have that sort of, uh, you know, the it factor to actually, like, make it to the NBA. And I, I thought that playing in the, with the G League Ignite and playing as well as he did alongside uh, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga against, like, actual fringe NBA players, not even just college players, it was pretty telling. Um, so I, I definitely like him, and uh, that's a guy I would look to potentially get as well. But Gavin, we've uh, we've hit the hour mark. I think I think now's the time to sign off because this will be a comfortable two part podcast. I think um, unless you, do you have any parting shots to add on that that point guard conversation? No, I think it's I think it's a good note to end on. But I I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm just getting excited having this conversation. It, it it it'll again be like another another good litmus test for the Knicks front office. If if you if you want to say that they hit a home run with Emmanuel quickly and, and struck out on, on three pitches with Obi Toppin. Like what, what, what are we going to get from them in this year's draft? And like, and, and with an abundance of good options, like in, in some ways that's, that's just as, that's just as difficult as, as when you're in a bad draft and you're, you're trying to pull something out of thin air. You, you gotta, you gotta really delineate, Hey, who's going to be a good fit for my team and which of these guys has like the best trajectory to either like, like reach a ceiling that's exceptionally high or, or come in right away and, and contribute. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just exceptionally excited to get to draft season. And, and it's kind of nice to be, to be on a normal timeline again. When last year we, we had to talk about it for 10 months and it just, it seemed like it was never going to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think we can wrap up this edition of fan Friday. So if, if you, if you all want to listen to this, uh, feel free to tune in tomorrow. Uh, but we'll be back next week. Uh, we got to look at the schedule for next week as far as the games and everything to figure out how to work it around. But this is going to be a weekly thing. So feel free to come on anytime. Uh, we will do it probably like generally 530 to 630 roughly uh, on usually Thursday or Friday, whichever day permits with the next schedule. But uh, for this version, thank you all for coming in and participating as usual. Lots of really great discussions and uh, we will talk to you all next week.
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.